and the watering from the Spirit. I pray that you would just just be with us this morning. Um, bring all our distractions away, all of our worries, all our concerns, all our doubts, Lord. Just put, on, put them on a shelf for now, Lord, and help us to just hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I went to a graduation party yesterday, and um, I missed it, which makes me really frustrated like this moment. Um, I, have a, I have a girl, a little girl. Some of you all have met her. If, if you haven't met her, she's still probably one of your best friends and you don't know it yet because um, there's no such thing as strangers to her. Um, I mean, she talks to everyone, and she, she's very um, outspoken. I don't know where she gets it from. Um, <laughs> But I know it's a mystery. Um, but but um, at this graduation party, we walked in, and I ducked away to, to, to use the bathroom. Um, and, and she ran into this room full of people, walked up to a fellow who looks nothing like me. And I think she, did she hug him? No, she, she, yeah, she thought it was me. She walked up to a stranger, put her hands on his arm, and then he turned and looked at her, and apparently she was, like embarrassed. I've never seen her embarrassed. <laughs> and she and she ran off right away and 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 cuz she, you know, she thought she saw me, right? When she realized that, that it wasn't her dad, like she she immediately backed up, right? Cuz kids kids know. I I another thing actually similar with my boy who is shy on uh Chris or it was Good Friday service. Uh there were a group of us guys standing around and talking and Titus walked up to Terry um, who was standing kind of with his legs spread, walked between his legs like and hung on to him on either leg and just stood there. <laughs> and and then, like, for whatever reason, he looked up and realized that, like, from this point down, it was not, you know, was not, like, dad. Like, the whole thing wasn't dad. Like, and he immediately freaked out and came running over to me and <laughs> hit his face and, you know, that's not my dad kind of thing. And, and um, you know, because kids will do that, right? Like, like, kids know when they trust dad, right? Or they should. And the w- world made the way God intended it. Dad is, is it, right? Like, dad is, is the protector. And dad is, you know, all of these things. And so, like, um, I'm talking about this because we're going to talk about grace. We're going to continue talking about grace. And we're going to talk about this idea of God as father, okay? Um, and, and what that means to us and how grace plays out in that. Um, a real quick bit of background. Uh, the first week we talked about grace is the last week we were preaching on John, and we were talking about uh, John and Peter, who were walking down the beach, and John uh, or Peter is told by Jesus how he would die, and like how his death would glorify God, and and he like has this competition. He's competitive with John, and he asks, well, what about that guy? You know, how's he going to die? Is he going to do this? You know, is he going to do it good? And Jesus says, well, mind your own business, right? <laughs> you worry about what you're doing. And, and let me worry about John. He's not your problem. And, and we started there because oftentimes Christians, like we forget that we're given forgiveness and we're given grace. We're given things that we don't deserve from God, right? And, and we forget that like all of this that we have isn't our work, but his gift. And we start looking at each other and we're like, well, what about that guy? Or what about that guy? He's not very good. I'm better than him. Or what about, you know. Um, and, and we lose sight of what grace is really about. And that, that was where we started. Last week we talked about um, the idea that we're dead in sin. And I, I had these flowers, which look a lot less nice um, after a week of sitting here. Um, but we talked about the idea that though we may be alive, physically alive, um, if we are 
um, we're all born spiritually dead, like cut off from God because of like sin that exists in the world. The world is broken and, and we all live distance in the same way that my flowers have been cut off from their life force and very slowly it reflects in, in their appearance, right? Like so it is with everybody in the world. We're all like separated from God by our sin. Like, like that's a broken relationship. And in grace, God comes into our lives like through Jesus and fixes that. He reattaches us to himself, right? And sets things right. Um, and so we're going to keep talking about grace um, with a slightly different definition. If you're interested in the other sermons, they are online at the web address in the bulletin. So I don't have to say it wrong. Can I have the slides back? Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to be in Galatians. Um, if you have a Bible in front of you, I suggest you grab it up and look. There should be some in the pews. If you don't have one, raise your hand and Craig will find one for you. Um, and it's important, like, I, the verses will be up on the screen, but it's important to look because um, I, I don't want you all to be, like, like I don't want to say something wrong and have it go past everyone. Does that make sense? Um, if, I, if I say something, I want you to be able to say, oh, wait a minute. Everybody with me? Um, so the verse starts out, chapter 3 is where we're going to be at starting. We're just going to kind of brush through chapter, the first half of chapter 3 to offer some context. Galatians is a letter that Paul wrote, um, and he wrote it to a church in Galatia, right? And so the people who lived there were the Galatians. He's writing this letter because there were some teachers that moved in and set up shop, and they were teaching, look, if you want to be right with God, like, this forgiveness stuff is really good, but you need to obey the law perfectly, you got to stop eating pork, and you got to stop eating, um, you know, bacon, and you got to like do these things, and you got to do those things. You got to be circumcised. If you don't do all that stuff, God can't be right with you. And Paul is writing this letter to say, he starts out like in the beginning of chapter three, "You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, or who has tricked you?" Because basically, somebody came in and tricked him. They sold him a bill of goods. They said, "Look, this is what God really wants from you," and in reality, it's not what God was after at all, right? And there are folks like that in the world, which is why you should read as I preach, because then you can know if I'm doing it. Got it? Um, <laughs> can somebody get me a glass of water, please? Thank you. I, she's got it. Um, so it opens with this idea that the, Gal- the Galatians have been tricked into believing that they would earn their way into heaven. And then Paul backs up and he starts talking about Abraham. Now, for the Jewish people, Abraham was like a rock star. Okay, Abraham was the beginning of the faith. He was the first person that God came along and said, you are going to be my people. And so he was the first Jewish person. He was the person that God like brought to the Holy Land and said, this is your land. This belongs to you forever. And he made a bunch of promises to him Um, for for Jewish people. It was a, a, a sign of pride to be a descendant of Abraham because you were in the bloodline of a promise that God made. That promise was. Um, he said, well, look, your descendants will be kings. And there'll be so many of them will be, be like the grains of sand on a beach, right? Um, it'll be like the ums in an Eric sermon. So many you can't count them. Um, I, I actually didn't do that on purpose. Um, well, hey, a glass of water. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so the last promise, and it's a big thing. He said, listen, through, through you, through your descendant, in the singular, through your descendant, the whole world will be blessed. Now, 
what Paul talks about then, he says, listen, Abraham's descendant, Abraham's descendant was Jesus, right? And that descendant um, is the one through whom the whole world is blessed. In verse 10, um, um, Paul writes, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. That means that... um, like, like God gave this law to Moses, which is about 400 years after Abraham. Um, and, and this law covers everything, right? It covers everything from touching a dead body, which was, would make you unclean. So, like, that would be a violation of the law. It covers um, working on the Sabbath. Like, on Saturdays, which is the biblical Sabbath, like, if you did work, it was offensive to God, right? Um, it covered... I mean, it covered all sorts of things. And actually what we find is, I don't know if y'all are this way, if you give me a rule, one of the first things I'm going to do is try to figure out how to break it, right? I, I, it's not because, um, well, it's because I'm bad, like I'm sinful. All of us are that way. All of us fall short of the perfect standard that God sets. And part of that is because it's so hard, right? It would be like going out and playing golf. Does anybody play golf? And shooting 18 out of 18 holes, in a hurricane. Um, because, like, it's impossible. You have to perfect score to do it, um, to, to, to obey God's law the way it's expected. And so everyone who doesn't do it is cursed. Now, that sounds a little weird, but Paul explains that in a second, and we'll get to it. Just be aware, every one of us who fails to obey the law perfectly is under a curse. Um, he goes on to say, for all who rely on the works of the law, I was just read that, um, jumping ahead to 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged from a tree. Now, what he's saying here is he's like, look, that law, you couldn't obey it. And as long as it was there, it was going to be a problem. Got it? And so God shows up himself, becomes a man, um, and follows the law perfectly. And then takes punishment um, for disobedience to the law. Like he's crucified. And like for Jewish people, if you were crucified, it was like, it was, it was considered to be one of the most offensive things in the world. It was a sign that God hated you, right? Um, and so Jesus, like crucified, takes punishment for the, for the ways that we break this perfect law that we can't obey, right? Because we're inclined to sin. Um, it would be like putting out a, well, uh, anyway. Um, he goes on. This is what is meant, this is what I meant, the law, which came 430 years afterwards. So Moses shows up, is given this promise, the law shows up almost 500 years later, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God. So a covenant in the Bible is a contract. Everybody has a cell phone contract, right? How hard is it to get out of a cell phone contract? Yeah, it's easier to fit a camel through the eye of a needle than to get... (laughs) Um, (laughs) So he says, listen, God made an agreement with Abraham. The law shows up years later, but that's an add-on. It doesn't change the agreement with Abraham, right? And the agreement with Abraham is Jesus will come and fix it, right? And so the law is there. Well, why did God put the law there? Um, So as to make the promise void, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by a promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise, meaning, sorry, I'm scattered here let me bring it back together he says listen it doesn't void the old law um because the the old covenant excuse me the old cell phone contract with abraham because god promised that by faith 
like they would receive this, right? So by trusting God, they would receive this like blessing through the descendant. Everybody with me? All right. Um, So they receive it by faith. um, But if you have to work to get it, it's not like this thing that you get by faith. Does that make sense? That's like saying, well, your, your cell phone is paid off as long as you pay the bill. But now we're going to add this. You know, like, like there's no add, right? So we receive Jesus through faith. Abraham is forgiven through faith in this promise that God has given him. Um, and then the law is given, but the law doesn't serve the purpose of getting us to God. So if you're sitting here today and your opinion is, I will be a good person and God will be okay with me, um, you cannot receive what God is offering. Got it? You cannot be good enough to get that promise like given to you. It is only given by faith in Jesus. There is no, I'm a good person, so God is okay with me. Can't be done, right? Um, It is only through faith in Jesus, which is actually great. Because if you think about it, if the law is really hard and I can't obey it because I'm inclined to do bad things, right? Then like, this is like a get out of jail free, All I have to do is trust this promise, trust that Jesus was who he was, trust that Jesus raised from the dead, like, and follow him, and I'm good. That's it. Um, And so he says, listen, it's not by works. If it's by works, if you have to follow the law perfectly, earn it, then it doesn't work. Um, Then it's no longer by faith. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith, which would be, excuse me, the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. All right. Um, What Paul is talking about here is the law. The reason the law is put there is so that folks know what's expected of them, right? Um, my daughter sometimes will find new and inventive ways to misbehave, right? Have any of y'all who have kids, like, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's true. She will find things to do that I have never expressly forbid her to do. Um, and she'll, she'll break that, like, rule. And so God gives these rules. He says, listen, you're, you're not doing what I expect of you. This is here. And it serves two purposes. First off, it acts as a fence so people don't get too out of control, right? The other thing it does is it makes people aware that they're not managing to do what God expects. Um, So, like, if I tell my daughter, Abby, like, after Easter, she got all these Easter eggs. And we have a rule. When you go to bed at night, you stay in bed. Now, how well do you think my daughter does that? Not well at all, right? And, and she tries to come up with reasons why it's okay for her to break that rule. Now, during Easter, we had all these Easter eggs, and I told her, look, if you get up in the middle of the night, or if you go to bed at night and you stay there, you can have an Easter egg first thing in the morning. So at 5.30 in the morning, she comes up, jumps up and down on the bed and says, Dad, can I have my Easter egg now? And he explained, well, no. The rule is now if you wake me up to ask for anything, <laughs> you will not get anything from me. I think eventually, after two or three times of breaking that expectation, I told her, if you do it again, I will eat all the candy myself. And then she stopped. <laughs> but, but she found new ways to break those rules. And ultimately, like, like, she's just not good at it. But that rule is there to give her guidelines as to what is expected of her. This is what you need to do. And ultimately, she didn't manage it. And she wouldn't manage it because she's human, right? We're all human. Because we're all human, we all fail sometimes. 
Actually, we all fail a lot as part of being human. And so this thing, this law, was like a prison. It set, like, boundaries around us and reminded us repeatedly that we were screwing up. So then the law was our guardian until faith came. Faith refers to Jesus, right? It refers to having faith in Jesus. Um, So, and the word guardian is sort of weird, right? Like, in, in Greek, it would be nanny, right? Um, but we think of nanny and we think of like maybe Mary Poppins, who's really nice. This would be like drill sergeant nanny. Got it? Um, in the Old Testament, like, like it was so strict that you could, you know, like be killed for breaking some of the laws. Like that was, that's the drill sergeant nanny. If, if, um, those of us who like have relationships, there are expectations in relationships. Like if every time I mess up in my marriage, I get like reminded about it until the day I die, I'm not going to have a very happy marriage, am I? But that's essentially what happens with the law, right? Like, oh, you broke it. Oh, you broke it. Oh, you broke it. Oh, you broke it. Oh, watch out. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't eat that. Don't look at that. Don't think about that. Don't. Um, and it, it's impossible to do. And so this nanny, this guardian, um, is like a drill sergeant. And when we live under the law, like without faith in Jesus, we live under this drill sergeant who is... Um, anybody have family like that, parents like that, that every time you got out of line, they would step on you? Um, that's what it's like. Um, so the, our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So we're reminded over and over again by the law, you can't do it. You can't be perfect. You can't earn God's love. You can't do this. You cannot, like, you know, you can't. It's impossible. So it's like, like, reminds us and we reach this point that we realize I can't do it on my own so I need Jesus I need to be forgiven um, which is actually a huge blessing to understand that like you can't earn it right um, it's easy to be a scoundrel and understand that God forgives you because like I understand that right um, so we go on but now that faith has come we are no longer under a guardian for in Jesus Christ you are all, or Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ now Paul is doing a word play here he says listen now that we've reached this point where we can have faith in Jesus um, you're no longer like under a guardian under a nanny right it's now like you're an adult. In Roman culture, when you were like between 14 and 17, depending on what your parents decided, you reached a point where you were an adult, right? Um, where you stepped out of this old world into a new world. And they had different clothing that you would wear. Children would dress one way, right? And when you became an adult, you would, um, there'd be like a whole thing where you would take off this old set of clothes and you would put on the adult clothes, right? Um, I plan on doing that one day myself. Um, come on, that was funny. Uh, um, and so, like, we go from being, like, under this nanny to being full-fledged adults and sons of God, um, not by working for it, by by trusting in Jesus. Um, if we are in a place where we have been baptized, meaning, like, washed, but baptism is an outward symbol of an inward occurrence, right? We are putting on this new set of clothes, and we basically move from childhood to adulthood, Everybody with me? Everybody awake? Okay. 
28 and 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, um, for all are one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now, what he's saying is, listen, the moment you put on this new set of clothes, the divisions disappear, right? We don't get to stand around and say, oh, yes, but you are from the wrong family. Oh, yes, but you aren't quite good enough. But you are a woman. But you are this. Like, because these divisions are, are basically washed away. Because in Christ, we look at each other and we're all siblings. We're all family. Which, by the way, is, you know, why when we celebrate and when we suffer, we do it together. Right? Because we're family. We're brothers and sisters under this promise. Descendants of Abraham, not because we're like actually blood relatives, but because we've been sort of folded in to the family. Um, 4, 1, and 2. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. Now, one day when I die which will probably be way in the future, I hope, right? And, and when my wife passes, our children will inherit our stuff, right? I know farmers are pretty clear on this concept, right? Like a lot of times farms kind of go from family member to family member, right? As long as my boy is two, he doesn't get to be in charge of things, right? He thinks he is, as every two-year-old in the world believes, but in reality, he's not in charge, my daughter, not in charge, right? She doesn't get to decide what we eat for breakfast or we would eat this morning. It would have been cookies. Um, <laughs> she doesn't get to decide um, when we go to bed or she wouldn't go to bed. She doesn't get to decide what happens with money. If I give her money, the first thing she does is stick it in her mouth, right? So she doesn't get to play with money. Like money is off limits. She has no authority apart from what I allow her to have. Ultimately, she has nothing that I don't give her. Everybody with me? And in fact, if somebody gives her something I don't want her to have, I can take it away. If she wants to go outside and play, who has to give her permission? Me. If she does it without my permission, what happens? Then the drill sergeant shows up. Um, and so Paul says, listen, being under the guardian, being a child in that culture especially, you had no rights, you had no privileges, you had no directive, you had no nothing. You were under authority. And he says, so listen, as children, before we had faith, we were like slaves. Like under the law, if we decide I'm going to earn my way to heaven, we live like slaves. Um, because we have to obey and we have to obey perfectly or else. Um, can I have that back? Um, in the same way, um, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. He says, listen, when we were children, before we had faith in Jesus, we were slaves to the law. And we answered according to the law. Um, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, meaning he was a human being, fully man, but still fully God, born under the law, meaning the law applied to him, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, the word of adoption literally means to be placed as a son. Um, in the ancient world, the most famous example of this was Julius Caesar, um, actually didn't have children, and he adopted an heir. 
he picked out a guy who became his heir, his son, and that son became emperor after Julius Caesar was gone. Um, and, and that's literally what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, as like adopted sons, like as people who are followers of Jesus, we are adopted. We're brought from a place of slavery to a place of sons. Um, where we go from being like little kids grabbing onto the leg of a stranger to being little kids jumping into dad's lap, right? And um, he goes on, actually. He says, uh, and because you are son, God has sent his spirit, or the spirit of his son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Meaning like God's Holy Spirit fills us, right? And it gives us this reality where we're able to say, Abba, Father. Abba is not a 70s disco band. Um, Abba is, um, is, is like an ancient word. It basically means daddy, right? Um, we're in a place where we have such intimacy with God where we can literally, you know, daddy, right? Um, where we're able to come to him in the most intimate of terms. When we're suffering because the world is broken, because the flowers have been cut from their life source and things are wilting and coming apart, we can come to the Father and we can say, I need help, right? When we're in a place where we're celebrating and we know we're receiving something better and more wonderful than what we had before, where we're moving on to the next chapter, we can say, God, celebrate with me, right? Like this is a gift we have because slaves, people who are under the law, people who live at a distance trying to like please God through their actions, right? They don't have that level of intimacy. I've talked to men for years and years whose fathers only gave affection when they accomplished, right? You're going to do a good thing. You're going to play sports well. You're going to behave. You're going to treat your sister right. And if you're not doing everything I expect, I'm not going to love you, right? This is not who God is. God loves us, like, unconditionally. Um, so much so that he sent his son to die for us. And we receive this intimacy as a gift, not earned, you cannot do anything. You cannot give enough money. You cannot, like there's nothing, literally nothing in the entire universe you can do. It is a gift. We are brought into the family and you go from being this like enemy of God. You go from being this like slave to the law and he says, nope, you're my baby. Right? Um, that's what grace is. You cannot earn it. But God makes you an heir to everything by making you, literally, just as a gift. What does that mean, an heir to everything? It doesn't mean that I'm going to be a millionaire if I have enough faith, right? There are people who try to sell that snake oil. It's not in the Bible. Got it? Um, it means that, like, I'm given forgiveness. It means that I'm given a relationship with God. It means that in eternity I will live with him in, like, like in his city, in his place, in, in, in a place that doesn't have temples because God will just hang out with us. Um, where meals will be this giant communal affair where we have family dinner. It, you know, this is something that we inherit, and it's far better than what, whatever we could even hope to have in this world. Um, and that's a promise we can look to when it seems like everything is rotten, right? We're just passing through this place. Paul elsewhere writes that we're sojourners, we're travelers, we're foreigners, and we're just kind of on our way through. Um, I like uh, Rebecca has pictures of her and her brother in different countries, you know, around the world. They traveled the world at one point, and everybody thought that her brother was her husband. So she's marrying Daniel, by the way. Um, 
<laughs> and holding on to that for... <laughs> um, but you never see them setting up shop to stay forever, do you? The, no photos like that. Oh, we're staying in Spain, guys. Um, it's, it's free. If you're with us today um, and you don't know about this, like, like, hear me seriously. This is something you can just have. You don't have to be religious. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to anything to have faith in Jesus dying for you. Um, I read a story about a man in Spain, in Madrid, whose son, like he and his son didn't get along. They fought all the time, and his son ran away from home. So he goes to the local newspaper, and he puts an ad in. And the ad says, Paco, I love you. Come back to me. Um, If you just, everything's forgiven, everything's forgotten, we'll start over show up in front of this newspaper office at 11 o'clock on Saturday and I'll take you home. I love you. I love you. Come home. Saturday morning shows up and this man waits outside and 800 men named Paco showed up. <laughs> um, why do I share that? Because there are so many folks that live estranged from, from the love of God, honestly. That live estranged and live in the dark and think, well, God can't love me. I've screwed up too big. And in reality, he makes you his son through Jesus. And all you have to do is have faith. Faith in that resurrection and follow him. Um, We're going to close in prayer. We're actually doing communion today. So I'm going to call my gentleman forward with the plates. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that everyone who's here this morning um, would understand the grace, the gift that you give us in making us family with you, the forgiveness we receive, the the overlooking of our sins, the, the... just literally the pouring out of your son's blood for us, how much love and how much just care that takes. Help us to recognize that you're a father that loves us no matter what and that we're forgiven and we're given a place at the table and all it takes is faith in Christ's name. On the night-